TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy bake oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Happy Friday out there. It is March. Wake up. It's March. March 1st, 2024. Welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. It's also Dune 2. Opening night. How about that, Connor? Did you get any sleep last night? Are you nope. okay? Are you okay? Time oh God! <laughs> it's a big, big night for Connor Dunning. Getting over to the Malco, I'm assuming. IMAX. You've had these. You've had these. Uh, these uh, tickets for how long now? Uh, about a month. How about that? But welcome in. It's time for the Gabe Kuhn. I am Gabe Kuhn. You're a former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon. So that'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. We've already talked about it. He's excited for doing two. But how are you doing, though? You doing well? I'm doing okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, I was up till 4 a.m., couldn't sleep. It was like Christmas Eve. You know what I'm expecting? So the movie, you, you got 7 o'clock tickets? 7.20. 7.20. I expected about 10 p.m. to get a text from you that this is the best movie you've ever seen in your entire life. I mean, that's what I'm expecting. I'm fully expecting a full review via text from Connor Dunning tonight at about 10 p.m. Yeah, you're just going to get a sound that sounds like this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have two and a half hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Now, because it's Dune 2, Dune Part 2 coming out tonight. Okay, you're just going to drop it every time. Every time I bring up Dune Part 2, there we go. See, yeah, you're just going to drop it every time. Um, we're going to, in small talk, in honor of Dune Part 2, in honor of Dune Part 2, we're going to do top five sequels. Top five sequels. Connor is waiting for that. He's been waiting for it. Um, but throughout the show, we have a lot to discuss. The Tigers are absolutely rolling, man. Three straight wins. Go on the road against ECU. Win 82-58. to 58. They just look right. They look way better. And that, that hope continues to grow that they can get into the American Athletic Conference Tournament and potentially get an auto bid. Um, but I'll also answer the question. We'll talk about it. What are their chances in an at-large bid? Joe Lenardi has put them on the outside looking in, but we will discuss it as the show goes along. Grizzlies versus Blazers. Back-to-back nights, Friday and Saturday. Chase to the bottom? Do we have a chase to the bottom? It's, a, it's an official chase to the bottom. Chairing out. Conchar out, 
Luke Kennard out, Gigi Jackson questionable, and then everybody else on that's been on the and D Rose out, then everybody else is out, and then on the other side you have the Trailblazers, no Aiton, no Scoot, and a bunch of other guys. I mean, it's just that is not going to be a fun game to watch. I'll watch, see how it goes, but it is not going to be fun on Friday or Saturday. We'll see what happens though. Um, we'll also talk about the fourteen team playoff as I've gotten time to sort of digest. The three three two two one idea behind a fourteen team playoff: three automatic qualifiers for the Big Ten and the SEC, two for the ACC and the Big Twelve, one for the Group of Five, and then three at larges. I think that there's a clear posturing going on uh, within the Big Ten and the SEC offices. Not only do they have an alliance right now or an advisory panel, whatever the hell you want to call it, they are trying to make sure they come out on top in any real conversation. And also, uh, added to this whole thing, reported by Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports First, they are trying to angle to where their two automatic qualifiers, two top automatic qualifiers, would get first-round buys in the Big Ten and the SEC. So I have, a, I have an interesting thought on the 14-team playoff that I'll get to at about 5.30. Um, as far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show at 5 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, being that we are headed into spring ball here soon, for Memphis football, and uh, we had the schedule released yesterday. I want to bring on Frank Bonner from the Daily Memphian to talk Tiger football and talk the 14-team playoff, talk through all these things in college football, so he will join at 6 o'clock. But the Tigers are rolling, Connor. How about it? How about it? 21-8, 10-6 in conference, uh, three straight wins. They are trying to angle to go get the, the, the bye in the uh, American Athletic Conference tournament. At this particular moment, if you check the standings, they are right there with UAB and SMU. UAB and SMU are 10-5. and five. They're 10-6. and six. They still need some help. If they beat UAB, they can pass up and get to fifth. They're going to need some help from SMU, Charlotte, FAU. Uh, they need to lose along the way for the Tigers to really get into those top four spots and get that by. But, listen, in the end of the day, what we've seen the last three games just looks actively better. And there's just no, no questions, if, ands, or buts about it. Last night in that game, 82-58, to 58, um, when, when you look at sort of – uh, what they did really well, um, they held down uh, ECU to uh, 58 points, and they got 17 turnovers, 17 points off those turnovers, and they won the battle. The battle for fast break points, they won 34-5. to They're starting to play like Penny Hardaway coach teams. Um, and I think, obviously, those adjustments will continue to be the, the topic of conversation. Uh, when when you, you talk about scripting the game, having more offensive sets, I'll get to the stats in a second. That means something to Javon Quinterly, in particular, the last three games. We talk about playing more half-court defense and not overextending and playing less in your rotations because the guys are not tired out there. I think that means something as well. But when we talk about those offensive sets, they are now 4-0 and when they have 20-plus assists this year. And Javon Quinterly, since Penny talked about scripting the game and, you know, not having this free-flowing offense that, that guys sort of want the freedom within, Javon Quinterly, these last three games, since they've had more offensive sets part of their game plan, 19 assists, four turnovers. 19 assists and four turnovers. It's clear that Javon Quinterly is feasting on the fact that he knows where guys are going to be and he can play a little bit more organized. And this team is playing more organized. They're playing with intention. They're playing with intensity. And clearly they realize their backs are up against the walls. You're you're sad that it took so long for them to sort of realize what was going on. But defense is up, offense is up, and they're winning games by big margins. You have a 24-point win 
uh, over over Charlotte a couple of games ago, or and then you have this this twenty four point win over ECU as well. This it just looks better, Connor. In the end of the day, when when you sort of lost all at large hopes, uh, we'll talk about those in a second. You just wanted to see them play better basketball, and we're seeing that. Where's the hope meter? You know, because we said that after the last game, it got into the double digits now, and it's grown even more. Last night was a ton of fun to watch the Memphis Tigers play basketball because they got back to what we know that they can do. They really cracked down defensively, and the new defensive schemes that Penny Hardaway has been running out there are working perfectly. He's setting this team up for success. They were forcing turnovers like crazy on the perimeter. They defended the three-point line like crazy. I think they held them to like 14% from shooting from three last night, which is tremendous. And Javon Quinterly is really becoming a floor general for, for this team when they need him to the most. You hope that he can consistently do it and continue you know, this momentum that they've been able to build. But the last three games from Javon Quinterly is exactly what you want. He's 4-9 from the field, 0-5 from 3. Really, the good news is that you could even say is that when his three-point shot starts to fall again, because we know that it can, yeah. he's going to get even better. You, he's only... been really struggling from three the last few games, but he's giving you what you need in other areas, so it's not crushing you that he's been 0-6, for 0-5 for from three. This goes back to my conversation, though, when we talk about game managers in the NFL and quarterbacks. That's all Javon Quinterly needs to be. He doesn't need to be a high uh, volume shooter. He doesn't need to put up 20 points per game. That's not what he needs to do. He just needs to manage the game. Seven assists to two turnovers. 19 assists to four turnovers over the last three games. That's all he has to do to keep this team on pace. You just cannot kill yourself, shoot yourself in the foot with all of the turnovers and uh, sort of the, the inconsistent play. And, and honestly, he's finding guys. Like, he had a couple of no-look passes down to the post last night that were just beautiful and pretty. Um... And you can you, you hope that this can stay consistent. You hope that he can continue to put this type of output out. Um, but I, I just think that the differences with how they're running offense have really helped him turn it all the way around. Naquan Tomlin continued being phenomenal. His efficiency out there, 7 for 8 from the field, 1 for 2 from 3, 20 points, 5 rebounds. Um, he had two blocks as well, only the one turnover. He's playing at, at the highest of levels at this point. David Jones is continuing, and he's starting to get more teammates involved. He's passing a little bit more, although he still will turn the ball over. He had four turnovers last night. But five assists, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Um, one guy, I say the one sort of big negative from last night, and, and I, I don't want to pile on because I know he's got a back issue going on. Jordan Brown is just, you could tell he's struggling pretty substantially. Um, I, I don't know if it's the back in general, but it's clearly hard and labored for him to run up and down the floor a whole lot. He just, you can tell he just doesn't have like, there's something missing. Right. There's something missing with him right now. Um, turning the ball over, not able to hang on to rebounds, not rebounding at the highest of levels. It's just, it's clearly, it's clearly bothering him. Nick Jordan got back to his efficient ways, 14 points, four rebounds, six for eight from the field, two for two from three. Um, he did foul out, though. He did, uh, by the end of that game, foul out. So there is that. But if you can get that from him uh, night to night, you feel really damn good about your chances of winning. And also, on the postgame show, he announced that he's likely going to return. That's the great. Times. Now, there's, you know, I, I don't think this is like <laughs> – the end-all, be-all, people should be, like, overly excited about Nick Jordan coming back. But when you talk about the grand scheme of players that um, need to fit in, you talk about building a program, guys like Nick Jordan are perfect for that. He's not going to shoot you out of a game. He's not going to put up a whole bunch of offensive shots. He does the dirty work, um, and he seemingly fits in with any starting lineup or lineup that you roll out there. So I think that that is nice to see a guy so as a holdover. A little bit of continuity with a guy like Nick Jordan goes a long way. Absolutely, and, you know, 
especially with the rumors of a guy like David Jones thinking about maybe coming back. If you can start your roster with those two guys, that's a tremendous place to start it, you know, because they've been such a key part of this team. And last night, what I really noticed from this Memphis Tigers team is, one, it seemed like they were having fun. It seemed like mm. they were having fun again out there on the court. They were playing together. They were playing high energy. But Javon Quinterly and David Jones, I think, deserve a lot of credit because they led by example, not necessarily on the offensive end. They're always, you know, you know, Javon Quinterly really showed up there. He was a, a floor general, and David Jones did his thing as he always does, just an absolute walking bucket. But with how they shared the basketball and how they were attacking defensively, both of those guys led the team in steals last night. Yep. It really felt like they were trying to lead by example on the defensive end, especially on the perimeter. They showed up. There was a ton of effort from the tip to the very end of the buzzer, and we've gotten that three games in a row now. And you're starting to feel like this team is starting to clue into – if we play with purpose every single night and this high energy, nobody in this conference can beat us. If they can continue this momentum building and continue to gain confidence running into this conference tournament, anything could happen at this point. they got another big test coming up, but you certainly feel much, much better than you did two weeks ago. It feels and like a completely different basketball team. What's huge, and they have not shot that well from the three-point line, even in this three-game stretch, but what, what's, what's very noticeable is not just the shot selection, but the shot distribution. David Jones only had 13 shots last night. Everybody else, 8, 8, 9, 6. Like, guys are getting their, picking their spots, um, finding their teammates, and just picking their opportunities a whole lot better, and not just playing this hero ball. They're settling into their roles. Yes. You can see it. Just look at Jaquan Walton's last few games. He's played basically the same game the last few because he knows what his role is now. It's defined. He goes out there. He's going to shoot six to seven times, give you – pretty good defense and just crash the board as much as he can. He only had three last night, but his activity has been tremendous. I really think that Jaquan Walton deserves a lot of credit for his last few games because he was struggling during that stretch where the Tigers were in a bit of a free fall, but he's really turned it around and been a key piece of them playing well, especially defensively. Um, now, I, I, I was a little frustrated watching the broadcast last night, and Mark Adams, I, I genu- generally enjoy Mark Adams, on the call, and I think he's been demoted a little bit to ESPN2 and some of these games in the AAC. Uh, he calls Tigers games a fair amount, but the conversation about the, the Tigers being better without Malcolm Dandridge on the floor, obviously Malcolm Dandridge, if you haven't sort of figured out, uh, there's an academic investigation going on, and uh, he did not make the trip last night, um, and he's not with the team right this second. Uh, so it, it sort of seems like the, he likely played his last game as a Tiger. But Mark Adams... And I've seen this sentiment sort of shared within the fan base via social media. The Tigers are better without Malcolm Dandridge. I don't understand that thought process. Yes, I'll give you the. I'll give you this. I think Naquan Tomlin inserted into the starting lineup. I think he is a more talented and likely a better player than Malcolm Dandridge. Um, and now he has a defined role as the five for this team, and he understands what he needs to get done. And you've seen more consistent results. And when you look at the last three games for Naquan Tomlin. Um, 16 and seven, then 21 and eight against Florida Atlantic, then 20 and five last night. And you, you just see him settling into a role and being more comfortable. So maybe that's part of it. But when we look at Jordan Brown, who I already talked about clearly struggling, getting up and down the floor, has the back issue. Um, in the end of the day, Malcolm Dandridge would be massive for this team. Right. And I don't understand the thought process behind this team is playing better without Malcolm Dandridge. Because in that game against Charlotte, Malcolm Dandridge was playing, and they won by 24. And Naquan Tomlin, even at the three, looked a lot better. That was the start of this really good stretch he's been on. And in the end of the day, 
if you have to turn to Jordan Brown or Malcolm Dandridge, if Malcolm Dandridge was available, who are you turning to? You're turning to Malcolm Dandridge every single day of the week. So I still think that, um, you know, this team has more defined roles and maybe Malcolm Dandridge being out of the lineup has helped with Naquan Tomlin and everybody else's emergence. But in the end of the day, this team would be a lot better suited if they have Malcolm da- had Malcolm Dandridge as a, as a potential backup um, in that front court. Because if Nick Jordan gets into foul trouble, if Naquan Tomlin gets into foul trouble, all you have to turn to is, is Jordan Brown with a back issue. And that's not ideal by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Now, I, I've heard the abstract thoughts of, you know, is, is Malcolm Dandridge, you know, uh, a, a locker room issue? Is he, you know, uh, does he sort of uh, suck the intensity out of this team at times? I don't believe that. I think so far this year, uh, when he was playing, you saw that on the defensive end, he was one of the main guys giving energy night to night. So I, I just don't buy into that, and I just found it strange. And it felt like the take Olympics from from Mark Adams, and I've seen it from the fan base as well. It, it's it's unfair. It, there's no real evidence to suggest that this team is better without Malcolm Dandridge. Just because they've been on a win streak here against East Carolina and Charlotte and FAU doesn't mean that the team is better without Malcolm Dandridge, especially because he was involved in one of those wins. It's pretty simple to me. You look at it and you broke it down. Would you rather have Malcolm out there or Jordan Brown? I'd rather have Malcolm 100 times out of 100 right now. He understands his Memphis Tigers team. He gives effort on the defensive end. He's been way better offensively, and he helps you on the boards. It makes no sense to me while we're having a discussion about is Mal- was Malcolm Dangerous the problem on this team when all of us have eyeballs? We watched this entire season. Malcolm was playing his ass off. He was given effort every single night. There were many games where if he wasn't in there, they probably would have lost that game. Especially so, early in the season. I just I don't agree with it whatsoever that Malcolm Dangerous was the problem on this team. I think, you know, if you wanted to have the conversation about you remove somebody from the rotation so it caused it to go down and it helped define some roles, I can have that conversation. Like, I, think that that's, I think that that's been a, a interesting positive with right. Malcolm Dangerous off the floor, but I don't think that's the end-all, be-all. If, if, like, <laughs> Malcolm Dandridge being active for this team would be a positive at this moment, and I have no doubts in my mind about that. You need more depth in the front court. We have not gotten into the, the, the situation where it's been a close game and you have foul trouble in the front court. Exactly. You had foul and trouble last you night, have but that, it wasn't I a don't close think, game. I don't think people will understand how much missing Malcolm Dandridge actually means. I just... My thought is if you have the same foul trouble you did last night and Jordan Brown's having to play 16 minutes against FAU, it's not going to be great. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. Now the Tigers have gone from uh, 79 to 72 in the net. They've gone from 81 to 72 in Ken Palm. It's all sort of looking up as far as their metrics are concerned. But what does that do in regards to them getting their metrics high enough to become an at-large team? I don't know. I still think their best way forward is to win the AAC tournament because these last two games of the year are going to be tough. They already lost 97 to 88 earlier in the year to UAB. Granted, it was on the road. They're going to be at home at 430 on ESPN2 on Sunday. That's going to be a massive game. And then you have Florida Atlantic on the road. We know how hard road basketball is, but when you're playing an opponent like Florida Atlantic, it becomes uh, substantially tougher. I know they already beat them, but road basketball is very hard. As far as at-large hopes, though, I think that there is an interesting conversation to be had here. If they do win these last two games of the year, finish the regular season 23-8, and eight, and uh, win their way into the championship game on that selection Sunday in the American Athletic Conference Tournament, I think they'll be in the conversation. I just do think, depending on what happens around the country, uh, if everything's relatively status quo, I still think they'll be on the wrong side if they don't win the championship game. 
Yeah, the reason you and I have been talking about the hope growing is that it's get, I'm starting to gain confidence that this team can make a run in the conference tournament, and that's how they're going to punch their right. ticket to the dance. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get it done just by winning out at this point, and it's just because of losses like at Rice. It's not because I don't think this team has turned it around. It's not that I don't think this team has deserves a spot in the NCAA tournament. They just have a couple of losses that you cannot look past when it comes down to the field. Lenardi put out you know, his bracket today, and it still sounds like the Tigers are a bit away from being in that conversation. If they made it to the conference championship, lost in the conference championship, I still unfortunately think they would be one of those teams on the outside looking in, but barely. They'd probably be listed as like last four out or something like that, but I'm not sure they would actually make it in. Here's all I know, Gabe Coon. Here's what I know. They've got to fight like demons. <laughs> I hear you. I understand. Doing too? There you go. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with every utterance there. Um, the reason that you feel better, though, is like games like Rice, games like that South Florida game earlier in the year where they gave up a 20-point lead, they're not winning those games. And they've, they're winning those games in massive ways. Um, earlier in the year, during that four-game losing streak, I would have projected a loss at home to Charlotte. I would have projected a potential road uh, scare against East Carolina, but they won both those games by 24 points. I don't know how you can look at these results and feel, feel that much different or feel, feel uh bad about where this team is at right this second. You can feel bad about the way things have gone. Um, you, you can discuss it. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's been a disappointment up to this point, but this team is is starting to trend in the right direction. They're looking like the team that we saw in the out-of-conference. That's what they're looking It's familiar like. territory for Penny Hardaway basketball teams. It, it feels like every single year we get to March, except for last year, and we're like, Okay, they've got to win the conference tournament to yep. get it done, and they have shown in the past that they have been able to do that. So you hope that they can put it together again and make some magical run. It is true that they put them they put the wall against their own backs. They did that, but they have been fighting like hell the last few games, and it seems like there have been some true changes made on the basketball court and just the game plan, and you hope that that continues into the tournament. Just keep this momentum rolling, and anything can happen because we say it every single time we're previewing a Memphis Tigers basketball game. They are by far the most talented team 
in this conference. They have the best players every single time they step out on there on the court. It is all about execution, and it is all about uh, the energy that they bring. And if they bring those two things, they're going to do well in the conference tournament. I am excited once again to watch Memphis Tigers basketball. I cannot wait for this game against FAU. It feels like it's going to really tell us where this team is at right now. The one thing that does concern me, though, and we just touched on it, is the depth at the big man yes. position. I do not want to have to lean on Jordan Brown. Maybe he surprises us, but that seems like it's unlikely at this point. And to your point, it may not necessarily just be an effort thing with him. It seems like he is dealing with some sort of back thing. He's just not moving well right now on the basketball court. So that's the only thing that worries me, because if they get if they get this Tigers team in foul trouble with Jordan and, and Tomlin, it's going to get tricky. Now, I'll, I'll say in the AAC tournament, outside of... FAU and potentially uh, the the forward there from UAB. Like I'm not that worried about bigs, right? I'm not worried. Like Vlad Golden and that big from UAB. It's more about just the fouling, yeah. But um, you know, in the end of the day, you, there's a clear issue in the front court right this second. There's a clear lack of depth, and if you have to venture into the depth and bring in Jordan Brown, I don't feel good about it. He's getting balls ripped away from him. He's not playing strong, even though I know he has played strong in the past. Um, we know he's making a bunch of NIL money, but that's not really uh, that's not really showing through. It feels like it was not the the most well uh, well spent money in the grand scheme of things right now. But it's it's a back issue. I feel like he's playing like he's hurt. It's, he's playing stiff. Something yes. looks like it's wrong. And then um, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up our man, Joe Cooper. Joe Cooper. Yeah, what a game! Joe that was Hooper. awesome. Well. Got, Nine minutes, two <laughs> points, three rebounds, three assists. He had, couple, ah! he had a couple of nasty turnovers there. He did, but it was uh, super in fun. There. But, <laughs> but, listen, intensity, slapping the floor, bringing guys along with him. Again, he is, he is. it's weird. Sometimes you find heroes in very unsuspecting spots, and he has sort of been that guy. Hometown guy, understands Memphis. Um, didn't think he'd get minutes this year, but he clearly has found a way to get other guys that are more sought after and highly thought of than him to sort of follow in his lead intensity-wise. And I, 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 I did not see that coming in the slightest. So shout out to Joe Cooper. Shout out Joe, Joe Hooper. Cooper. Joe Hooper, we should say. Now the Grizzlies. Let's get to them. Twenty and thirty-nine. Two games back to back. One tonight. We'll pass you off at six thirty. Jessica Benz will have pregame tip. Will be at seven o'clock. Um, but they have Trailblazers back to back nights and. Uh, I'm just going to be completely frank with you. <sighs> this isn't a league pass game. This is not a fun NBA. This isn't an NBA game, quite frankly, with you. Um, you, you look at the, the injury reports. It's going to be the Trailblazers visiting the Grizzlies. The Trailblazers, no DeAndre Ayton, no Malcolm Brogdon, no Scoot Henderson. Of course, no Shaden Sharp and Robert Williams. For the Grizzlies, no Jaron, no Conchar, no Kennard, no Derrick Rose. Gigi Jackson could be out. He is questionable. And then, of course, no Job, Bain, Smart, and Clark. I don't expect much, but I guess it could be a chase to the bottom. You have... Uh, uh, 20-some-odd games left. It's going to be really hard to make up five games, but I guess uh, if the Blazers were to sweep the Grizzlies on their home floor on Friday and Saturday, maybe you could make up that ground. I'm not sure what to say about this game. It's you know it's going to be Vince Williams Jr. out there and a couple of 10-day guys, and you're going to get some Zaire minutes. Hopefully he can continue this consistency that he has had over the last four games. Those have been a positive sign. Right now it really feels like that he and LaRavia are kind of battling it out and having a tryout for their Grizzlies life yeah. or technically the end of the we bench Grizzlies winning. life. And right now Zaire winning. is he is certainly winning right now. It's 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 it feels like LaRavia is on the, the precipice of a knockout. So 
you hope that maybe he can come out and show something tonight because this is the perfect type of game where it's like, man, just let it fly. Like, just let it fly. This is going to be some shameful minutes for some of these guys out there. I'm excited to see, though, what Vince Williams Jr. does because he's going to be on ball a lot. We've seen in the past he's had some pretty good games doing that. And we can be honest about it. He's had a couple games in a row where he hasn't been, you know, the Vince Williams Jr. that we came to know before the All-Star break and shortly after. It's about there, the so. offensive numbers. It's so just, you still see the effort on the defensive end, oh, the rebounding. Yeah, still, the, and he, the Rebounding is still there. It's it's just you want to see that three-point ball fall again and just kind of get back to that efficient scoring on the offensive end. I believe he can do that. It just feels like having two games against the Blazers feels like a get-right moment for Vince Williams Jr. while being kind of an audition for everybody else. It's going to be curious to see how they play, how they roll out there. So, you know, it's hard to really say anything about this game because – when ten day guys, games, G League guys, way. yeah, it, when these guys who don't get a ton of minutes get a taste of the NBA, the results are usually pretty tricky because they're just giving complete effort because they understand I might not ever get an opportunity like this again to play this many minutes, so I'm going to go balls to the wall. I mean, we've seen the Grizzlies have given the the Timberwolves two tough games with G League and ten day guys, so I'm not expecting the Blazers to roll over at all. It's just it's going to be interesting to see which way this breaks. But I I will say right now I believe the ten day and G League guys for the Grizzlies are better than the Blazers. So if I had to lean one way, I would say I think the Grizzlies have more talent than the Blazers do at this very moment, while also not being that ex- upset if the Blazers beat the Grizzlies. Yeah, I don't care at all. Well, it'll, really it'll, in terms of the the tankathon rankings, it's not a bad thing for the Grizzlies to lose right now. So it's one of those where go out there, play well. If there's an L at the end of it, great. Now, I don't usually do a whole bunch of betting lines, but I found these ones pretty interesting. Grizzlies <laughs> are one-point favorites. You know, I, I want to know if this is the lowest total that we've gotten all year in any NBA game. But do you know what the total is tonight? 207. Oh, wow. 207. They don't expect much offensive firepower as well. They shouldn't. All the offensive firepower is on the injury report for both teams. Bet the under. Yeah. 207 is nuts. That is insane. That is insane. But you also could see an, a, a situation where guys are just letting it fly from the three-point That's line. That's what I mean. The results tonight and, and then the next game. So unpredictable. Are, they're, they're so unpredictable. They're going to be tricky because someone you feel as if someone's going to pop off that is unexpectedly that isn't expected to do that. I just I have a feeling that that's going to happen every single time you see rosters kind of broken down like this. There's one guy that steps up and you're just like, "All right, it's his game now." That's awesome. Yep. Now let's go ahead and grab a break. And on the other side, I want to stick with the Grizzlies conversation because a lot was made about what Xavier Tillman said yesterday on the Gilbert Arena show. Um and I I'm not on the same uh, accord with a lot of people that are reacting to it, but I want to talk through it. That's next. 92.9 FM ESPN. And paid for by AG Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. So we know that the Grizzlies at the trade deadline sent off Stephen Adams, David Roddy, and Xavier Tillman. Now, Xavier Tillman... Um, is with the Celtics, the number one team in the NBA right now. And he was on the Gilbert Arena show yesterday. And, and he, there were some interesting comments that he dropped about the differences between the Grizzlies and the Celtics. Now, I do want to do a quick sidebar, Connor, because I find it interesting. This just sort of tells you where the Grizzlies have been uh, injury-wise all year. Um, but have you seen the new roles that Xavier Tillman and David Roddy have on their particular teams? In the last seven games, David Roddy 
David Roddy has four DNPs. In the last seven games, Xavier Tillman has six DNPs. And those were guys that were getting 20 minutes plus a night for the Grizzlies. It's just a, a good example and a reminder of where the Grizzlies are at. But Xavier Tillman talked about the differences between the Grizzlies and the Celtics on the Gilbert Arena show. And uh, this is what he had to say. Like this levels. Yeah. Absolutely, it's levels to it. I mean, we were young in turn. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every, before every game, we danced. We got the things going, you know, the music going on. We young in turn versus, you know, being my first couple of games here. Like, it's just like the whole vibe is like this. Just chill. Just like, mm-hmm. hey, bro, like, we clocking in today. Damn, clocking in. <laughs> no, we got to, you know, you know, everybody got to get hyped for the game. Watch. Just watch. <laughs> Come in there. Everybody do your thing. Everybody keeps it light. And, and, and they get the job done. But it's, it's definitely, it's, it's interesting, though, to see. Because obviously we're successful. We were number two, you know, in the West um, last year. But at the same time, like, I feel like it's a whole nother level, though. It was like we took, it took us everything, health included, to be number two. Versus, like, obviously health is on our side over here. But it feels like we still got more in the tank and we're at number one. Now, there's two separate ways to look at this, and uh, I see a lot of Grizzlies fans viewing this in, a, in, the, in the first way I'm about to bring up, and you could view this as disrespect. You could say, oh, well, um, he's got, trying to go after the Grizzlies and say they're not doing it the right way and that they're too turned and that they're too young, and that's sort of the reason the jaw had his issues and they've had issues off the floor, and that's why they have bottomed out this year. You could view it that way, um, and I, I don't think that's right. The second way that you could view this is this is what – you know, uh, going from a young team to a more established team, making these runs, at some point you start to mature. You start to realize that it's clock in, clock out, do your business, go home, get in the lab, do all these things. And that's where the Celtics are at. You're talking about two guys who are on uh, max contracts, super max contracts, and Jalen Brown and, uh, and, and Jason Tatum who have been in the league for six to seven years, have multiple deep runs in the playoffs under their belt, there is trajectory. There, there's, there's things you have to learn along the way. Now, the Grizzlies are young, and they had fun with it, and that's one way to go about it. But as you start to make deeper runs, as you start to understand where you're at in the NBA landscape, you start to handle things a little bit differently. I didn't see anything wrong with what Xavier Tillman had to say. They had to have good health to get to the second spot in the West both years they did. They had to make sure that they were getting right on the floor and off the floor to be able to make the runs they did. The Celtics have been able to do that consistently. They know who they are, um, and that's just not their style. Now, the Grizzlies, I think, with John Moran and, and all these young guys and Jaron, they're con- going to continue to have fun out there, and they're going to be a bright spot in that regard. They're, 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 they're a changing of the guard. They're a new young team in the NBA. But they, there's nothing wrong with Xavier Tillman highlighting the massive differences between the way the Celtics operate and the way the Grizzlies operate. They're, ob- they're obvious. They're out there. You understand those things. But I think um, – as you start to just sort of look at it, where the Grizzlies could get to at some point when they have a lot of uh, you know deep runs in the playoffs under their belt, a lot of these things may dissipate. They're young, they're up and coming, but I, I don't view anything that Xavier Tillman said as any level of disrespect. It's just the truth of the matter. He didn't say that one was right and one was wrong. He was just pointing out the differences of the locker rooms and the differences of how the teams get ready for games. I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies are one of the youngest teams in the NBA. There were not many veterans there. They had a different way of getting turned up for the games. There's nothing wrong with that. And like you said, they had a ton of success. They got to the second seed. And, you know, they had some injuries that 
held them back in the playoffs. But ultimately, right. I think that we can all agree that this team needed to go through some growth. They needed to go through some humbling so they could get ready to be true contenders. He's walking into a Celtics team that has people who have won rings in there. Al Horford's in that locker room. There's history with the Celtics. Like you said, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are in the prime of their careers. And they're, and they're completely different the personalities. Finals. They want to get back there. It's a completely different mindset in Boston right now. They're the number one seed in the NBA. They are arguably the best team in the NBA who has a real shot to go win a championship. It is going to be all business for them right now because they have a purpose. They have something that they're playing for this season. It's not, like you said, it was a matter of a fact. He wasn't saying that the Grizzlies locker room was a problem or that it was bad and that or that they need to do what the Celtics are doing. He was just saying that there was a difference. That's all he was talking about. I don't understand. I understand this is, this is a tough season. For Memphis Grizzlies fans, it is a tough season. We've got to stop being so damn sensitive about everything. We've got to. Every single time there's a suspension, oh, well, that wasn't as long as 25 games. It's, we don't need to do this. We don't need to do a retrospective on Jaws' suspension every single time another player gets in trouble. We don't need to be getting mad at these players who go other places and talk about the differences between there and Memphis, especially when it's Boston and Memphis right now. Go look at the standings. They're two completely different universes right now and this is, season. Is it, is it We've so wrong? We've got to just relax, y'all. It's okay. He, no, he... Nothing he said was incorrect. When Nothing he said about, was an offense to the Grizzlies. When talking about clocking in, clocking out, having maturity, because that's sort of what it what it boils down to. Uh, if you really want to sort of break down what Xavier Tillman said, isn't it? Is it wrong to aspire to get to that point where you have these multiple runs under your belt and you're taking everything business as usual when you're at the top of the of the NBA? I feel like you know maturity will breed that. And, and you know, Ja and his trials and tribulations, hopefully it breeds more of that. I don't think they're going to stop having fun. I think they're going to continue to sort of be who they are. But at the same time, it's not wrong to point out those differences and mention that, you know, you could aspire to be that at some point. When you're six, seven years into the league, when you are a, a business-like organization, when you're really just trying to win a championship, it's not wrong what he's pointing out. And I think that it's something that a lot of franchises will look at and say, hey, yeah, you aspire to be that way at some point. Absolutely. I mean, the Celtics are it, they're a team full of guys in a season that kind of feels like it could be a legacy-defining type of season for them. Jalen Brown needs a ring. Jason Tatum needs a ring. They're both, they're, Jason, Jalen Brown's the highest-paid player in the NBA. Right. He needs a ring, all right? He really wants to get one. Chris Dapps Porzingis wants a ring. Al Horford, you, da- you know he wants a ring. Yes. So they're taking everything like it's business right now. And he even talked about how they still keep it light. He wasn't saying that it's clock in, clock out, no fun. That's not what he said. He said that it's just a different vibe. They're not turning up to songs. They're not dancing in the hallways. Not a whole bunch of trash talk. It's just- but once again, he never said that was a bad thing. No. And I don't want the Grizzlies to lose that. They can still do that. And be a successful while still team. Have being, being successful and while still taking it seriously like business. I expect the Grizzlies to come back next year, and you're going to see a more mature team. Just listen to their comments. Listen to how they've been executing this year even without that team. They're having fun, but it does feel like they have matured a little bit this season, even though it has been a tougher season, and not a lot of guys have been able to play a ton. But you can feel that they are maturing, and they're starting to figure out, okay, we've got to – We've got to have the results, and then we, we then we can talk. Because they were talking a lot before they had the results. And if you want to take it as disrespect, I think that you need to sort of look into, in, in the mirror to a certain extent and understand that maturity issues, quite frankly, are a lot of the reason that they're in the position they're in now with yep. John Moran. Yep. Like that was, that's the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons they've had this fall off. And Dylan, he was, he was gone, he it. was suspended, he's 
had to deal with these trials and tribulations. Hopefully he learns from them and matures, but maturity issues were part of the reason that the Grizzlies are bad right now. They're part of the reason that, that the Grizzlies have to dig up out of this hole and, and show that they're back on the scene next year. You don't have to fake like maturity is not something, a big question for this Grizzlies team going into the future. It absolutely is, especially with John Morant, the face of the franchise. It just feels like a huge reach to be offended by this. It really does. He didn't say a single thing to offend the Memphis Grizzlies. He was just talking about the difference in, in the reality of the two franchises right now. The Grizzlies are playing right now. We were just talking about, hey, it's not that bad if they lose because we're trying to get a better draft pick. Right now, the Boston Celtics are the number one team in the NBA. That's the that's a huge difference. There's a huge difference right there. There's no reason the Grizzlies can't be back at the top of the mountain next year, especially with the talent that they're going to bring back. They've got to get that center position figured, figured out. But if they do, I am fully believing that the maturity that they are gaining this season, the lessons that they have learned from the past few years, they are going to apply to next year, and they are going to be ready to be a true contender in the NBA. But they're not there yet. And I have no problem with Xavier Tillman getting a taste of that and being like, you know what, this is a bit different. Yeah, and you can take his word for it. He's lived both of these situations. Yeah, Xavier Tillman's also not one to talk ass about Memphis. No, not like, at come all. Come on, y'all. We enjoyed him. He enjoyed his time here. It is what, <laughs> what are it we is. doing? Also, within that conversation with with uh, Gilbert, he said that there was no chance he was ever going to get extended. He never felt like they were ever going no. to. No, the writing was on the wall. Anyway. So trading him was. Hey, you got something out of it. It is what it is. Now, elsewhere in the NBA, a couple of things worth mentioning. Um, while the Warriors and the Lakers are jostling for that nine spot right now, it is hilarious to watch those fan bases go back and forth over the damn nine seed in the Western Conference. Uh, but they're playing a whole lot better. Um, but for the Warriors right this second, one of the biggest issues, we've seen this the last two years, Andrew Wiggins is going to be away from the Warriors to tend to a family issue. And I think we had something similar uh, come about last year. Now, there was a lot of rumors, and there's less rumors this time around with Andrew Wiggins. Um, and it, I think it turned out that those rumors that were being pushed out about his family life and um, wife and everything else, they were completely false. Um, but he, there's no return imminent for Andrew Wiggins. And he was playing better ball. He was absolutely playing better ball before he um, is going to have to spend this extended time away. That definitely hurts the Warriors in a, in a pretty massive, massive way. But they've been a lot better. Um, having Chris Paul and Clay Thompson off the bench has been a, a absolute plus for them. Um, but Andrew Wiggins not being there is, is something they're going to have to deal with as they head into the, the later stages of the season and potentially into the playoffs. Absolutely. We talked about just a few weeks ago how the Warriors were starting to turn a corner and Andrew Wiggins was such a big part of that. But him being removed is certainly going to hurt them defensively. It'll hurt them on the offensive end. It'll definitely help hurt them on the on the rebounding game. That's one of the underrated parts of Andrew Wiggins' game because when they beat the Boston Celtics he was a, a leading few years, when they beat the Boston Celtics a few years in the NBA Finals, he was their second best player. He was their second. And he was their leading rebounder as well. Yeah, and uh, so now the good news is for them, Chris Paul got healthy. I think Gary Payton's back. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think he's back. Yep. And Jonathan Kaminga has certainly taken a leap this year. Dude, do you know how old he is? <laughs> Jonathan Kaminga? Yeah. Very, very young. Yeah. What, 21? He's 21. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's very bad. Very, yeah. very bad for the rest of the NBA. But no, it's a, they still have a shot, I think, to make a little bit of noise maybe early in the playoffs. But without Andrew Wiggins, they just simply don't have the depth to get it done, especially, I, I with, the, especially with the decrease it, of play from, from Clay Thompson, even though he has been playing better wild, recently. It is though, to me. Like, I'm watching this game last night. They're playing the Knicks, and they won 110-99. And you want to leave them out for dead because I don't think anybody in this city really appreciates the Warriors after the uh, the, the code-breaking conversation in the in the 
entire, the preaching. Yeah, the, the, the second round series, they got knocked out by the Warriors when the Warriors went on to win a championship. Like, no one in the city really appreciates Draymond Green and the Warriors and Steve Kerr. I get that. But I want to leave them for dead. I think a lot of people want to leave them for dead. But then I look at their bench unit, and you have Chris Paul and Clay Thompson off the bench. That is something that, like, not, pods. A, pods not a bunch of teams around the NBA have that type of luxury off the bench. It, 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 it definitely could work in their favor. They are the type of team, we talked about it yesterday, that Timberwolves team just has a few red flags of yeah. not being ready to win a championship right now. I think that Timberwolves team is extremely talented. They're going to be a problem moving forward. I love Anthony Edwards. But the Warriors are the type of team that you could see giving them a ton of trouble like in, in the first round. First round. So that, it's, that's why I think the Warriors this year are going to be a potential first-round spoiler for somebody, one of those higher seeds that they can get there. If they can get through the play-in, they make it to the playoffs. I, would just, I wouldn't want to play the Lakers, and I, and I wouldn't want to play the Warriors. Those are two, te- two veteran teams that have won it all. They have a lot of guys who are still hungry for another ring. They're just the two I teams that I think they could do it even without Andrew Wiggins, but if they add Andrew Wiggins before the playoffs, it could definitely be... They could be even scarier. Yeah. I really believe that. Also, worth mentioning, Joel Embiid, we know that he's out, and he had a... a, a, a issue with his knee, the meniscus tear, uh, he's gotten surgery on it. Now, if you've been watching the Sixers, they have fallen off the face of the earth. It's not a surprise. I think everybody Melton's hurt too. expected that to happen. But they're 4-8. and eight. They were 4-8 and eight in February. They fell to 6th in the East. I think they're 5th as of today, or tied for, tied for 5th with the Magic. But Joel Embiid told ESPN and told reporters that he will return regardless of the Sixers situation. I don't know if that's the best way forward for them. I don't know if that's smart in the slightest. You need to try to get all the years you can out of Joel Embiid, and rushing him back from injury, considering his injury history, seems very foolhardy, very stupid. You need to make sure that this guy going into next year is at full health. He comes in uh, with his conditioning right, and putting him on the floor and in games when they potentially could enter the, the playoffs as a five or six seed, maybe in the play-in, I don't think that's smart in the slightest, and I think they need to rethink that. I, I appreciate the mindset from Joel Embiid. He's, he's a competitor, and when he's out there on the court, he's one of the best players in the NBA in the world. He's the MVP for yes. a reason. He is incredible when he's out there, but this does feel like a situation in which the Sixers might need to protect him from himself. Yes. And ultimately... One of the biggest issues with Joel Embiid the last few seasons, and it came to fruition again this year, is that he comes into the year out of shape. He puts a lot of pressure on those knees and those feet, and he ends up getting hurt, and he has to sit for a little bit, kind of comes back before the playoffs, tries to make a run, but ultimately gets gassed out. Like, think about the why not? though. Why not have an, a full off season of rehab and working out right. so that you can guarantee you're coming into the season next year At full strength. fully healthy? And let's be completely honest about it. This team's not winning championship. They ain't got the players. They ain't got the players. That's what I'm saying. Like, even, like, think about it, because it'll be a hobble Joel Embiid when he returns. Right. Regardless of the situation, he's going to have to get his conditioning back up, and that's going to be a question regardless. Even if they were at full strength, they're not beating the Celtics. I don't think they're beating the Bucks in a seven-game series. I even have questions about the Knicks and the Cavs, the 76ers getting over top of those teams with Joel Embiid in the lineup. Because Joel Embiid in the lineup generally has a fall-off come playoff time, whether it's injury or just sort of natural progression and people are guarding him a little bit closer. I don't think a hobble Joel Embiid has a chance to make any type of noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs picture at all. I just I, – it just – Going into next year, you want Joel Embiid to be fully healthy. You need to make some tweaks to the roster. Throwing him in there for the last few games of the year at the 6-7-8 seed in a play-in situation potentially, that's just 
that would not be smart maneuvering as a franchise. It may be unrealistic to think that they can really keep him out because uh, it does feel like if Joel Embiid wants to play, he's going to, right. and they'll probably win a few more games with him out there, and they'll be competitive. But I just I think that they need to see the big picture here and truly ask themselves: Is this a championship ready team? And the answer is no. They still have yeah. some things to do. They this is an off season in which they have a couple of assets. They can go make a few moves and get ready to be one of the true contenders next season in the NBA. It's just it feels like the 76ers, although they are an extremely talented basketball team right now, and they could be a top four seed by the time maybe they get hot. I mean, they got guys like Tyrese Massey, Tobias Harris, some still very talented players, but. It just feels like that they're missing one or two pieces from being able to beat the Bucks and the Celtics and even maybe the Knicks because look at the Knicks right now. They haven't even really sunk, and they're without some of their better players. They're without Julius Randle and OG right now. They're going to get those guys back. The, you know, even the largest piece, though, the largest piece for the Sixers franchise is a healthy Joel, Joel Embiid. And if you throw him in for the rest of the year, you're risking him being healthy going into next year. You're risking what he could look like the rest of his career. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, again, I, I think you're on point when it's going to be hard for the 76ers and Daryl Morey and uh, all these guys. It's going to be hard to hold Joel Embiid out because he will likely get whatever he wants, but I think they need to try to uh, you know, tell him or at least uh, you know, convince him maybe playing the rest of the year is probably not the best in, in your best interest. But if you have your eyes on some contenders, if you've been betting a lot, if you've been trying to go win some bets, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash GabeK. That is my promo code, G-A-B-E-K. Again, G-A-B-E-K, and shoot your shot. FanDuel is an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. You must be 21-plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is now withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Now, Jeff Calkins is scheduled to join the show next. We'll talk some Tigers. We'll talk some Grizzlies after this break. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 